Blinded by the light. <clears throat> Hello, Stevens Point and Appleton. <laughs> they threw the lights on just as the cameras came on. Blinded me for a second. Let's all stand together, shall we? As our campuses join us over in Appleton and Stevens Point. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us uh, this morning. Uh, we just finished a series called Faith 101, where we answered some of the basic questions a lot of people have about faith. Uh, we wrapped it up last week. Uh, if you've missed some of them, you ought to go online and, and download them, check them out. I think they'll be helpful to you. That's not to say that we'll stop answering basic questions of faith. We'll continue to do that from time to time, just not necessarily a big series all at once. But uh, if you do have questions, by all means, uh, email them to me, Mark G, as in Gungor, Mark G at celebrationchurch.tv, not .com, but .tv, and uh, email them to me. If I think uh, it's something that uh, a lot of people would be interested in, I will be happy to address it. If it's just you, I'll try and address it just to you. Anyway, this morning, I want to read from uh, Matthew, the uh, 20th chapter. Jesus giving a parable. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and found, and about three in the afternoon, and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, it's like an hour from closing time, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages. Beginning with the last ones, these are the guys now who had just been working for an hour, with the last ones and going all the way to the first. So the shortest all the way to those who've been working all day long. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon, really just started working, came and they each received a denarius. Now at this point he hadn't told them what they were going to get paid, just the first guys. He said, go work all day, I'll give you a denarius. So these guys just come in and boom, all of a sudden, the guys had only been there for an hour, got the denarius, the day's wages. So when those came who were hired first, of course, he's seen all these guys getting the denarius. They're expected to receive more. This is going to be great. But each of them also received a denarius. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. I'm sorry, they skipped. When they, 
When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Okay, it wasn't fair. Wasn't fair. Of course, it's not fair. These guys just started working. We've been working all day long. And you gave them denarius. He said, uh, those, these who were hired last only worked for an hour. And you've made them equal to us. You made them equal to us. People don't like it. And people are made equal to us. Everybody thinks they're a little special. It's not right. It's not fair. It's just not fair. You ever hear your kids say that? It's not fair. You got one more bite than I got. It's just not fair. You made them equal to us who borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Did you, didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? This morning I want to talk to you about mercy. Now, <clears throat> mercy defined, our definition here is kindness in excess of what may be expected or even demanded by fairness. My message today is entitled, Mercy Isn't Fair. Think of the thief on the cross. Now, here's a guy, all his life, they were raised in the Jewish culture, and, uh, but he didn't do the right things, pretty much ignored it. Hung out with bad guys, went around carousing, getting himself in trouble. He was a thief, and who knows what else he'd done. Finally, he gets arrested, and uh, I don't know if it was just because of his thievery or if there was you know, capital crime involved. I don't know. And, you know, today, you've got to kill a whole bunch of people before you get the capital. One or two is no big deal, you know. You've got to get like half a dozen, then they might kill you. Back in those days, man, death penalty for all kinds of sins and transgressions. Anyway, this guy had a, uh, a death sentence handed to him, and him and his buddy... And they just happened to be receiving their sentence, which was crucifixion, the very same day that they were crucifying Jesus. And the Bible tells us about this. Jesus is crucified, and on his left and on his right are thieves. He's crucified between two thieves. Now, the one thief, what's interesting about this is these guys, you know, we think, oh, well, these are guys who just... You know, they were void of any truth. They never really heard any truth. Highly unlikely. Because it's clear that both these guys knew who he was. And they didn't get it watching Fox News. You know, I mean, they probably heard him in person and saw him do what he did. And, but these were people who heard the truth, were fascinated by the truth, maybe even compelled emotionally at times by the truth, but chose not for me. There are lots of people who do that. There's people listening to me right now in Appleton, Stevens Point, here in Green Bay, watching us by television all around central and northeastern Wisconsin who hear the truth, but they go, it's entertaining. He's got a nice tie. It matches his little dilly bob. But they're not, going, they're not going to do it. Not for me. And clearly these guys had heard it because here they are, and they might have even seen miracles, because the one guy starts hollering at Jesus, man, get us off the cross. You got all this power? Come on. What are you doing? Let's get out of here. Get yourself down. Take us with you. And the other guy starts hollering at him. So what are you doing? 
He says, we are getting what we deserve. This man, however, has done nothing wrong. Again, how would he know that? But to have seen him and to have heard the truth that he said. And in that moment, he looked at Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus responded and says, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, I want you to think about this. There were people who did everything right their entire lives, never took the easy path. Because sometimes doing the right thing is not easy. It doesn't matter if it's easy. Doing wrong seems to be very, very easy. <laughs> Easier to go down a, into a pit than to climb out of one. Uh, there were people who did all these right things and everything, all their lives were faithful to God and stuff like that, and upon their deaths entered into the presence of God. Here's a guy who was a scoundrel, a dirty, rotten scoundrel. And on his, literally, moments from death, calls out to Jesus, and he too entered the kingdom just like someone who did life right all their lives. You see, mercy isn't fair. We read of the woman caught in the very act of adultery. I mean, Jesus is coming along, and all of a sudden, he hears all this ruckus. It's a big deal. And these guys are dragging this woman who the Bible says was caught in the very act. Now, that had to be embarrassing. Good Lord. Now, what the details were, I have no idea how they even... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so they grab this lady. They drag him, drag her, and... Uh, out in the open, and we're going to stone her to death. You say, what barbarians? Actually, they were obeying the Bible. Because Moses had written. Of course, Moses was, the law of Moses was very strict. They could kill you for disobeying your parents. I would have been dead at about seven. But uh, <laughs> they were very, very, very strict. And uh, so here they come, and no dispute in the very act itself. And they looked at Jesus and said, what do you think? And they're ready to kill her. And, and Jesus simply replied, well, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And it got very quiet. And the Bible says, interestingly, that from the oldest to the youngest, they started walking away. I guess the older, older ones had more sins upon which to reflect and realize, oh, I've got a lot of failures. They dropped their rocks and they walked. Well, finally, there's nobody left. Now, this woman, I don't know if she even knows what's going on. Her mind has to be in an absolute state of panic. The humiliation of what has just happened to her and the consequences that are yet to come from friends and family, who knows what she's facing staring down death itself, and suddenly everybody walks away. Jesus said, where are your accusers? And she says, they're not here. Now, this is not a woman at this point who's had this great faith moment. Again, all she knows is that she is caught red-handed and her life is in a mess. And Jesus looks at her and says, I don't condemn you either. Go, sin no more. He instantly wipes her slate clean. Well, that's not fair. Mercy isn't fair. We read of the woman at the well. Jesus comes and the Bible says that the disciples have went into town to get supplies, whatever. So he's just sitting there by this well. 
Well, this woman comes, she comes in the middle of the day, most likely because she knew or thought no one else would be there. Because, you know, it's really hot and stuff like that. She comes at the time when, because she's got a very checkered history, this lady. She's made a lot of mistakes. Just wants to come when nobody's around. And she sees this guy by, you know, who's this guy? Never seen him before. And all of a sudden Jesus starts engaging her in conversation. Her response is like, who are you? Why are you talking to me? Which is the appropriate thing for a lady to say. To some guy who just shows up and starts talking to her. But he starts ministering to her, giving her words of life. And she starts responding to it and listening. Can you imagine listening and engaging in a conversation with Jesus? And she's like just blown away by all this. And she wants to know more. And Jesus says, great. He says, go get your husband and come back and, and we'll talk some more. And instantly her heart seizes with fear. And she, God, I... I don't have a husband. Jesus, knowing all things, says, you're right. You've had five husbands. (laughs) Who has five, for the love of God? At some point, move on. This isn't working for you. And the guy you're living with now, you haven't even bothered to marry, Jesus said. So she was working on number six. You're right when you say you don't have a husband. You're shacking with the one guy, and he's number six. Wow. Now, there had to have been so many women of that day who had done everything right, honored God, obeyed the scriptures. But yet, Jesus engages one-on-one with this lady, and we are still talking about her over 2,000 years later. It's not fair. But then mercy isn't fair. If you stop and think about it, all forgiveness is not fair. If you've been forgiven at all, it's not fair. We deserve to be punished for the wrong we've done. Some of us rather severely. (laughs) But when we come to Christ and he wipes the slate clean, it's not fair for you either. Jesus gives a parable, and this is a very famous parable. It's called the parable parable of the uh, prodigal son. And uh, I want you to see what happens here. Jesus is talking to these people in uh, Luke, the 15th chapter. says, he continues, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, show me the money. Give me the cash. Give me my share of the estate. Now, I don't know what the rules were back then or how they could pull this off. Generally, your kids don't inherit your money until you die. I can insure my children. They ain't getting it till I kick. In fact, I was out on the boat yesterday spending some of their inheritance. (laughs) But for some reason, I don't know what the deal was, you know, that he could go in and and claim it early. Uh, So he goes in and says to Pop, say, hey, man, I want to cash out. And uh, the dad did. He says he divided his property between the two boys. and Guy gave him his money. And then, of course, the money has just such a bad effect on him. You know, the Bible warns us about money. You need money, and God will bless you with money, but warns you at the same time. Watch out. Money has a very corrupting power about it. And money, you want to see people at their worst just get them fighting over money. It's amazing how many times, you know, 
Aunt Susie with the seven cats kicks the bucket, leaves a bunch of money, and watch the family go nuts, man. <laughs> so it's like they're all a bunch of cats going at each other, fighting nasty. I'm sure you've all seen it. Some of you might have experienced it. It's amazing how well you get along with the people and the friends you have until money's up for debate. You watch how nasty you'll turn if you're not careful. Money has a very corrupting force about it, particularly when you're very young. And I know you young people, you don't come out of school and you, you want everything that your parents had. <laughs> no. You got to work for it. What a shocker. Well, but I'm broke. You're supposed to be broke. All right? Go out there and work for it. Earn it. I got news for you. Your parents, when they started, they were broke. It took them years to get what they got. You just got in on the back end of it. You, sorry. <laughs> it's easy for you to say, Pastor. What if you were broke again? Be like our honeymoon. Yeah. <laughs> Mad, they want everything. Look, just slow down. You're supposed to take it one step at a time. You build a life. Find someone you can build a life with. Move on. Get on with it. And uh, so, this guy got his money early, and sure enough, it had a corrupting influence on him. And he goes out and he starts to party wildly. Not long after he got all the money, the Bible says, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, road trip, party. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Doesn't mean he lived with baboons out in trees. He was getting drunk, hanging out with prostitutes, which we'll see here. I'm sure he had all kinds of friends. It's amazing how many friends you can have in a bar when you start buying all the drinks. Everybody likes you then. This guy, he's just having a great time. Takes his entire inheritance and he blows the entire thing. One thing about money, when you get it too quickly and you haven't worked for it, it goes through your hand very quickly. After he'd spent everything, Jesus said, there was a severe famine in that whole land, and he began to be in need. All the friends suddenly disappeared. Now he's hurting. The money's gone. He spent everything. And then this horrible, terrible thing happened. He had to get a job. <laughs> Sounds awful, doesn't it? So he went out, got a job, hired himself out to a citizen of that country. But it wasn't exactly the cushiest job in the world. His job was the guy sent him into his fields to feed pigs. Now, not that feeding pigs is a bad job, but it wasn't exactly the highest paying job, certainly this time in life. And that's what he does. God bless you. He is feeding pigs, but he's so hungry because he has nothing. And Jesus said he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Man, that's when you know you're hungry. When you're feeding your cat and go, man, that looks good. <laughs> when, you, 
when you're feeding the pigs and you look and say, oh man, give me some of that. That's a bad place for you. And Jesus said when he came to his senses, thank God. Sadly, oftentimes, it takes us to be hungry enough to eat pig slop before we come to our senses. Now, hopefully, you hear God's truth and you put it in your life and you avoid crashing and burning. But the truth is, it just is what it is. For many people, they don't really come to faith until they've just absolutely crashed and burned. I think at that point, that's when all the lies become evident that nothing else will make up for what you're lacking in your soul. So when he came to a census, he said, man, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? Here I am starving to death. Man, my dad, at least he paid these guys decent. I'm not getting jack. So he comes up with this plan. All right, this is hard for him. I'll set out, I'll go back to my father. And I'll say to him, father, and he rehearses the speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven in you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Father, I've blown it. I know I don't deserve to be your son. I'm, I'm just, I get it. But look, if you could just give me a job. That's what I'll do. Well, I said, see, Dad, you know, he probably won't even want to talk to me. He'll probably, you know, I'll probably have to come and beg for an audit. But listen, Dad, listen, I, I know I'm a nobody. I've failed terribly. Look, I'm just looking for a job. God, I'll do that. I'll just, I'll just go ask him for a job. Maybe... Maybe if I can just get him to listen long enough to plead for a job. So he heads out. Verse 20, he got up, went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, now it could have been terribly, too terribly far because the dad could see somebody coming and the kid could see he was getting close to home. And that had to be hard. When he saw the house from a distance, his heart had to seize with fear Oh, reckoning has come. I've got to go make this right. That's hard. That's hard for anybody who's ever messed up. And you know you've got to make it right with somebody. That's, that's a painful thing. And as he's going, hoping, hoping he can at least talk dad into a job, Jesus said that when he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And rather than being filled with anger and bitterness and I'm going to get back at him and he should get what he deserves, Jesus said, Dad saw him and he was filled with compassion. And he ran to his son. Threw his arms around him, kissed him. Of course, the son had worked up this good speech. If you do a speech, you got to give it out, you know, so. He said, yeah, this is Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father, before he could finish the speech... The father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it, which is really bad news if you happen to be the fatted calf. (laughs) And let's have a feast and celebrate. So they start to party. My son, the son of mine was dead. He's alive again. He was lost and he's found. And they began to celebrate. This is awesome! Celebrate good death. Come on! Old school. Well, the older brother was in the field. Now, this is the guy who did everything right. He didn't take his money. 
He didn't go right off. He didn't dump the old man, go out and party, blow all his cash. He stayed. He was faithful. He stayed in the business, working hard, helped to help the family succeed. He was in the field, working. When he came near the house, he heard the music, the subwoofers coming, and the dancing. He called one of the servants, and I said, well, what's happening? What's going on? He said, well, your brother has come, and your father's killed the fatted calf because he has a back safe inside. They're partying. And the older brother got really mad. What is going on? We celebrate because this slime bag has come back? That no good brother of mine? And now we're having a good time? He got angry, refused to go in. I'm not going in there. So his dad goes out, he pleads with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you. I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours, notice it wasn't his brother. That's <laughs> when you know the wife is really mad when she tells you about your son. I thought it was our son. No, he's yours right now. The son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home and you kill a fatted calf for him. It's not fair. That's the point this morning. See, mercy isn't fair. My son, the father said, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours, which means you can have a party anytime you want. This guy just didn't stop long enough to have, enjoy life. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours <laughs> reminds him he was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. You know, I often tell our young people as they're getting ready to go off to school that, you know, I remind them, we have all your life, especially those raised in this church, all your life, that these kids have learned in the children's ministry over in Appleton or Stevens Point. Here in Green Bay, we do all this great stuff for your kids, teach them the values. All your life, we've taught you how to succeed and how to be blessed and have a great life and avoid a world of heartache. Go out there and remember what we taught you. But even if you don't, even if you choose to totally turn away from everything we've said, and you break into a thousand pieces. Always remember, you can come home. There's always a place for you here. Even if you fail terribly, you come all broken, we'll be like all the king's horses and all the king's men who put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Better not to break into a thousand pieces. But even if you have, come home. You can always come here. So well, that's not fair. Yeah, well, Mercy isn't fair. Sometimes people in our church will do something totally wrong. They want to do very destructive things. And they'll come back asking for forgiveness. You know what we do? We forgive them. And we treat them like it never happened. Well, that's not fair. Well, that's the point. You see, mercy. It's not fair. Thank God. None of us want to get what we deserve. And stop and think about it a little bit. 
of these two brothers, who do you think envied whom? Do you think the older brother envied the younger brother because he'd gone out and partied like a wild man? Not very likely. I'm pretty sure the younger brother always envied the older brother for doing the right thing. It's highly unlikely. I mean, the money was gone. He'd take his inheritance. It was over. His brother had all his. There's prices that we pay. But all the same, there's mercy. Who do you think envies whom? The person who has struggled with alcoholism all their lives or the person who's never had a problem? Who do you think envies whom when someone has gambled away tens of thousands of dollars? You think they envy the person? You think the person who, who never did that envies that person? No, no, no. They always envy the person who's never entered a casino. People who were wild and crazy got arrested and thrown into jail. Who do you think envies whom? I'm pretty sure the guy who's in prison envies those of you who never so much have gotten a speeding ticket. Look, the world claims all this great benefit from living wild and crazy, but it's just a lie. It's always a lie. No need to envy those, but even if someone like that comes and have failed terribly, we receive them, we love them, because mercy isn't fair. It's not supposed to be fair. We're just supposed to love people and care for them. Some of you actually have the opposite problem. You've made so many mistakes in your life. You've had so many failures. You've been such a disaster you can't get into your head that God could use you. God can't use me. I'm a mess. I'm a disaster. God's not using me. I'm, I'm just looking at what a wreck I am. It's just not fair. You're right, but mercy isn't fair. God can still use you, no matter who you are, no matter what you've been through. Just let God be God in your life. Don't compare yourself to other people. That's where the fairness thing is. That's where the other guy said, you've made, you've made them equal to us. So that You start comparing to other people. That's when you get a sense of what's fair and what's not fair. Keep a low opinion of yourself and don't compare yourself to other people. Then you start complaining that life isn't fair. Focus on God's mercy in your life. Don't allow yourself to compare your blessings to somebody else's blessings. Don't allow yourself to compare your sufferings to someone else's sufferings. All these things, it's very quick to come with the conclusion that something isn't fair. Don't compare your struggles to other people's struggles. It's not fair. Your circumstances to other people's circumstances. Even your successes to someone else's successes. Your kids to other people's kids. Your marriage to somebody else's marriage. Stop. The pastor, it's not fair. Sweetie, that's the point. Mercy isn't fair. But what's great is that we can come to God and no matter where we're at, he covers us with his grace and he gives us his mercy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love us the way you do. You died on that cross, Lord, the Bible says, when we were still sinners far away from you. You gave everything. I'm sure that wasn't fair. 
But we thank you, Lord, that we can come to you. And regardless of where we're at in life, we can always come to you. We can always turn to you. Because you desire the very best for us. Help us to always trust you. Never to compare ourselves to others around us. But just to look to you. Knowing that you desire to cover us with your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Have a great day.